The Holy Gospel according to St. John chapter 6. Jesus said to the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him, because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who has sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Think back to that last time when you were really hungry. Maybe it was when you woke up this morning. Maybe it was after a long day and you realized that you never ate breakfast or lunch, so you run home and have a nice big dinner. Maybe like me, there was an intentional time when you abstained from food to raise awareness for issues of hunger. Or maybe there have been times when you do not have access to food, so you've gone for a day, a few days, a week, maybe even more without a meal. You see, food is a very big part of our lives. Hunger can be a time clock ticking inside of us, and you never know when it's going to go off. Then there's this psychological aspect of food. Sometimes we eat when we're happy or sad. Sometimes we eat when we're bored or anxious. Sometimes we have this mysterious force driving us to eat some chocolate, ice cream, or other sweet treat. But deeper than our search for the perfect hamburger or slice of pizza is our search for meaning beyond our day-to-day activities, meaning beyond running from one thing to another. Not only do we have this physical and emotional need for food, but we have this physical and emotional need for something bigger than ourselves, some kind of spirituality. We need to know that we are not alone in this gigantic and sometimes unkind world. I think what this need does is it points us to follow the latest fad or search for the newest type of fulfillment to seek some treasure in the world that consumes our day-to-day lives. And then we devour everything in front of us until we are fed up with life, and yet we still want more. There may be this temporary fill, this fulfillment of a need that's inside of us, and it may force us into some kind of fulfilled coma, but we need the food, the spirituality that will last eternally, and that can be found in our relationship with God. God comes to us. We may not know why or how God comes to us, but when we encounter God, we have this feeling, this sense of hope and promise. Because of God's love, we are no longer searching for that latest thing that will temporarily fill our need. Instead, 
We are given food that fills our soul, and drink that quenches our thirst, and water that cleans us from the inside out. God gives us strength to make it through another day, to get to the next activity or doctor's appointment. We call upon God who answers clearly and quickly, which means we can rely on a God who is there, really there, when we need Him. God is right there next to us in the everyday, ordinary, the mundane, which to me is crazy because gods are made for greatness, not crime. They're supposed to reside up in the clouds, not down here with us. And I don't think I'm the only one who has trouble with this concept. The idea that Jesus, who is the son of God, is on earth with everyone else is absolutely crazy. And this fact makes the crowd upset in today's gospel lesson. They know firsthand their own flaws and their shortcomings. They know firsthand their faithlessness and failures. They know their doubts and fears, their betrayals and broken promises, their grudges and prejudices. They know all the shame and disappointment and regret which each of them carries around inside every day. So if Jesus is really like they are, oh boy, then they are in trouble. I mean, how can Jesus save them? How can Jesus save us if he is like us? You know, when I read through the scripture or when I have conversations with people about the church or even life in general, I hear a lot of complaining. Complain because we're angry, angry at the world or even angry at ourselves. Maybe we complain because we're not getting what we want or what we think we need. But really, I think we complain because we're afraid. Afraid that in the end, maybe God, maybe Jesus, maybe we ourselves think that we are not worth saving. We're told over and over again that we're not the smartest, we're not the prettiest, we're not the most athletic, or we're not even the most faithful to God. Maybe we think we do not really matter, and we hear this voice inside of our head that says, you are not enough. But Jesus says, you are enough. You see, Jesus came for everyone, and we know this because he says to the crowd, he says to us, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that everyone may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus not only gives us bread to fill our stomach, but bread to fill our souls. This type of nourishment fills something inside of us that gives us this spiritual depth and richness. And we know that something inside of us begins to feel satisfied and it overtakes every part of our being. You see, this is given to each of us. And so many times we try to push it away. We want nothing to do with it, not because we don't love God, not because we don't love ourselves, but because we are afraid. We are afraid of what will happen if we accept God's love. 
If we embrace God's love in our lives, what is that going to do to our lives? How are lives going to change? The answer is tomorrow. This is not some Abbott and Costello routine. Let me explain. In the Morse West novel, The Clowns of God, there is a story of a father and daughter who are having an argument. She tells him that she is going to Paris to live with her boyfriend, and he won't let her. Why would she want to do something like that? He asks. And she tells him that she's afraid. Afraid of what? Her father says. I'm afraid of getting married and having children and trying to make a home, she says. While the whole world could tumble around our ears in a day. You see, you you don't really understand, Dad. You survived a war. You've built things. You've raised families. But look at the world now. You've given us everything except tomorrow. Everything except tomorrow. Yet tomorrow is the one thing we need most. You see, we try to predict things, we try to control things, and we we may even be good at it. But the one thing we cannot control is tomorrow. We cannot predict that tomorrow will be here. And if we entrust that over to God, if we entrust our lives over to God, how can we know that there will be a tomorrow? You see, we need to have a tomorrow filled with hope. Hope that tomorrow is going to be there for us. Hope that tomorrow is going to be better than today. You know, I once saw a newspaper ad that said, Hope Chest, brand new, half price, long story. You see, we all have our long stories. We've all experienced broken promises and shattered dreams. Sometimes we're ready to give up. And when we're confronted with the new reality of life, we say no more. No more promises, no more commitments, no more putting ourselves out there. Because I am not going to take a chance or give my heart to anyone anymore. Not to my friends, not to my family, and especially not to God. You see, I will control my own tomorrow. But friends... It is when we come together and hear a message of love and grace and forgiveness that things can change for the better, that we can count on a brighter tomorrow. Going to church, showing up to Faith Lutheran Church week after week, we will hear the promises of God, promises that tell us no matter what we have done in our past, that God will love us and that God will be with us and that God offers us a tomorrow, a tomorrow which will be better than we could ever imagine. You see, God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to give the world life, hope, and a better tomorrow. We hear messages like today when Jesus says, Gather around the cross, come to the table, eat the bread of life, drink the cup of salvation, and live into eternity. This message gives us a moment of grace, which reminds me of Fred. You see, Fred was a a real gentleman. He spent his life serving other people. He loved his family. He loved his church. 
He was a teacher and a football coach, and he served on the council at church and was there every single Sunday looking his best. He was someone who had such a big heart, and he used it to help so many people throughout his life, and he had a strong spirit. One day, Fred received the news that he had cancer, and quickly this man of honor who was confident and strong became someone who needed constant assistance, someone who could barely walk. But boy, was he proud. And he came to church every Sunday, even on Sundays when it would have been better for him to stay home. Everyone at the church prayed for Fred every week and mostly every day. But in spite of our best desires, we gradually became aware that only death would bring divine healing to Fred. And like I said, he would come to church as often as he could. He would come to the table, kneel at the altar, and with his hands shaking, he opened them. His eyes wide, he would take his hands and reach out for the bread as he heard the words, the body of Christ given for you. And then as his hands would still shake, he took the bread, dipped it in the cup of wine as he heard the blood of Christ shed for you. And he would be fulfilled. Eventually, he could not make it to church anymore. He became too weak. And I would visit him. And near the end of our conversations, every single time, he would say, Pastor, can I have my moment of grace? And I knew he was ready for communion. The one thing that he desired, the one thing that he needed was that moment of grace. That moment when he consumed the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ, he was receiving grace. He was receiving love and the forgiveness of all of his sins. He was forgiven of all the mistakes he made in his life. And that, that, my friends, brought him comfort and peace. Near the end of his life, I sat with his family beside his bed. Together we read Psalm 23, we prayed, and we held hands around his bed, asking for God's perfect healing to come upon him. And after we prayed, I went to his bedside, I placed my hand on his forehead, and I blessed him. I said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord smile upon you and give you his peace. And Fred, may your moment of grace come upon you and remain with you always. Fred died peacefully a few days later. But he died knowing how much his family, his church, and his community, and his God loved him. Each of us is given the same promise. God loves each and every one of us. And every week when we gather together, we have a chance to hear the words of hope, love, and forgiveness. We have a chance to come together and receive the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ. And we have a chance to receive our moments of grace. 
We have a chance to hear the promises of God, that God loves us, that God cares for us, and that God will be with us whenever we need God to be there. And God promises that we have a second, a third, a fourth chance. We have every chance in the world to come to hear the words of blessing and grace, to come to the font and mark ourselves with the seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit, and come to the table to receive the physical signs of unending love. All of this is given to us by God through God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.